The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 17. Hello, and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanretty. Last week, in an attempt to stay within the parameter of 20 lines or so per episode, we stopped at Hamlet's sarcastic observation that the leftovers of the food served at his father's funeral were also able to be used at his mother's all-too-hasty remarriage to his uncle. He has now been joined by Horatio and Bernardo and Marcellus, who have come, perhaps nervously, to tell him about the ghost that they've encountered on the battlements. Never one to have us draw a conclusion about what is about to happen, Shakespeare, of course, surprises us. He subverts our expectations. Hamlet is relaxing somewhat and confides his feelings to Horatio, just how bad he feels about the marriage. And then there's something of a shock for Horatio. Here's the whole text that Hamlet speaks. Thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Would I had met my dearest foe in heaven or ever I had seen that day, Horatio. My father. Methinks I see my father. Doubtless Horatio is flummoxed by this. Has Hamlet seen the ghost too? This might make his job a little easier. Then, as now... Who would necessarily want to have to tell someone, already grieving, that their deceased loved one might be doomed for a certain time to walk the night? Horatio gulps and, with continued tact, asks simply, Where, my lord? In my mind's eye, Horatio. The question and answer come in a balanced, even line of verse. Hamlet's answer comes smoothly. After all, where else could he be seeing the former king? I saw him once. He was a goodly king. There's not much explanation as to when Horatio might have seen the old king in the past, or in his past, but it is important that he did, since he can therefore compare the real king with the ghost that he's now seen. Again, Horatio's nationality and credentials can give those interested much to ruminate upon, but the point, I think, is that he's trustworthy enough for Hamlet to take him seriously as we proceed. Hamlet laments his father, idealising him. He was a man. Take him for all in all. I shall not look upon his like again. There's actually an echo, again, of the play Julius Caesar here, further evidence of Shakespeare having written it and Hamlet very close together. When Brutus, the protagonist, dies, Antony says his life was gentle, and the elements mixed so well in him that nature might stand up and say to all the world, This was a man. Hamlet, likewise, is eulogising his idealised father, and, as ever, inviting comparison with his successor, who is, therefore, less of a man. But there's nothing for it. Horatio has to burst the bubble and break the news. My lord, I think I saw him yesternight. Saw? Who? My lord, the king, your father. The king, my father? There's quite a long pause built in here for Hamlet to take this in. It's bizarre and perhaps horrifying news, and Shakespeare leaves room with only half a line of verse. Then Horatio continues, explaining, covering all the bases. Season your admiration for a while, with an attent ear, till I may deliver upon the witness of these gentlemen this marvel to you. For God's love, let me hear. Even within this heightened and rather alarming moment, the language is so beautiful. Season your admiration. 
moderate your shock, your wonder, your surprise. An attent or attentive ear. It's always ears in this play. Till I may deliver this marvel to you. With our gentle lesser heroes, Bernardo and Marcellus, as further witnesses. The language is so dense, so carefully sprung with meaning. Horatio continues. Two nights together had these gentlemen, Marcellus and Bernardo, on their watch, in the dead waste in the middle of the night, been thus encountered. A figure, like your father, armed at point exactly, cap a pay, appears before them, and with solemn march goes slow and stately by them. Thrice he walked by their oppressed and fear-surprised eyes within his truncheon's length, whilst they, distilled almost to jelly with the act of fear, stand dumb and speak not to him. Over the course of the early episodes dealing with this scene, we probably spent at least as much time as these three gentlemen did discussing and interrogating the startling appearance of the ghost on the battlements. Horatio is careful to be respectful with this information. There's no question of the truth, no dismissal or mockery of the strange sights, certainly no inference that this could be anything but real. But even here there's a little room for wordplay, some editors might claim that it's the dead, vast, and middle of the night, but I prefer those who stick to waste, since the image is both of the wasteland of the night, but also the fact that, as of a human body, the waste might be assumed to be at the middle. There's much about the body in this speech. The figure that appears is armed from head to toe, cap a pay. This is rather curiously a term from Old French. Admittedly, it's Laertes who's studying in Paris but somehow Horatio gets this verbal flourish in for himself. Shakespeare doesn't miss the opportunity to give us some lovely language here, not least since there's some slight repetition going on. We've seen this apparition, so we certainly already know all of this stuff. So he excites our ears with the description. The figure goes slow and stately by them, in a solemn march, walking three times past their oppressed and fear-surprised eyes, even breaking these lines apart to celebrate their richness feels reductive, since my clumsy explorations of them by necessity break the tight, amazing directness of Shakespeare's own language. It's a very long sentence. It's one single sentence, albeit broken up into various clauses. But it's a very detailed image, and perhaps once Horatio starts it, he can't stop until he's painted the entire picture. The ghost comes within a truncheon's length of these two observers, and they themselves are, unsurprisingly, turned almost to jelly with fear, and, as we know, cannot breathe a word. Here's the whole image again. A figure like your father, armed at point exactly, cap a pay, appears before them, and with solemn march goes slow and stately by them. Thrice he walked by their oppressed and fear-surprised eyes, within his truncheon's length, whilst they distilled almost to jelly with the act of fear, stand dumb and speak not to him. Isn't it superb? Even in something like this, a repeat of a scene we've basically already seen on the stage, Shakespeare can find ways of thrilling us with the power of his language. Of course, Horatio has plenty more to tell Hamlet, there's far more information to impart, and for that you'll have to join me for the next episode. Many thanks as ever for listening, and do by all means continue engaging with the podcast on social media and via our website, thehamletpodcast.com. I look forward to having you join me again next time.